0: And hello and welcome to this week's Cup of Joel podcast. I'm Joel Delgado, along with me to open up the show, Eddie Almaguer, Almaguer, I guess is how you pronounce it. So. Almaguer, yeah. Almaguer, yes, sorry. So uh, he's here to talk a little bit about baseball. Baseball season is already underway. Shockingly enough to some people, they had no idea the baseball season had started until they woke up, I believe, on Wednesday morning <laughs> to the Oakland A's and the Seattle Mariners in Tokyo. At 9 a.m., I guess that was, they played at 6 a.m. Eastern time is when the game started. And then all of a sudden, people woke up in the morning and like, okay, the first the baseball season is officially underway. We'll also touch on the Dodgers sale. Uh, Magic Johnson and uh, a few other uh, people are now the owners of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Frank McCourt is still on the team for $2 billion. And uh, so now the Dodgers, uh, sort of a good day for them. Now they get to to sort of put this sort of behind them. There's still some kinks to work out as far as that goes, but um, that nightmare is officially over for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The, uh, the transitions uh, should be quick for the Dodgers as they move into the new ownership group. We'll see how that will affect Major League Baseball. And also the NL East, the Miami Marlins, getting ready to start their season in less than a week. April 4th, this Wednesday, they, they kick off their season against the defending uh, Major League champion, St. Louis Cardinals it should be interesting and also we're going to talk about that division which should be one of the most competitive in baseball this year there it should be a very interesting one to watch so Eddie let's let's start off with you know this season already starting basically in Tokyo and uh, the Tokyo Dome uh sellout capacity crowd about 44,000 on hand to watch that game obviously a very popular event but most people have no idea that that was going on at that time, and then the, the coverage was so small and, and insignificant. It was sort of like a blip on the radar screen. that's is that how Major League Baseball would want to start its season officially?
1: I I, I really have to disagree that this is something they should do. Uh, if I get it, it's fantastic to have you know international you know appeal, and like you said, it was a sellout capacity crowd, and it's it's something that's really taken you know in Japan, you know, so it's fine. Do it. Just don't make it the first game of the season. As you said, people didn't know until they woke up. They were having their cup of coffee or their cup of joe, perhaps, and, and and then all of a sudden they see the, the the ticker that the you know that the that the A's won the first game. So do I agree that this is something that should be done? No. Why? Because I, I feel like it, this is the baseball as a U.S. pastime. Everybody looks forward to it here. Make it in the middle of the season. Why not? You know, let me use an example. I remember a few years ago, something very popular was the Marlins would play the Mets often in Puerto Rico. Uh, They did that in the middle of the season. And that's fine. That's perfect. The team would travel down there in in July would usually be and play the games and come back. Why can't that happen with, with, you know, Japan? Do it in the middle of the season and come back.
0: That's an interesting proposition, too. I mean, you have all these interleague games that are going on in the middle of the season anyway. It would be something just, just to add on to it, an international game. But also, how would you make those kind of games also appeal to uh, fans here in the U.S.? Because in the, at the same time, yeah, you can have those games in the middle of the season, but um, hypothetically, they'll probably still be in the middle of the night for many of the you know American fans. I mean, is that a factor or should it not be a factor? Is it one of those things that you can't avoid? I mean, I agree having an international presence as far as baseball is concerned is great. I think things like the World Baseball Classic are fantastic for the game of baseball around the world. And I know that Japan is very passionate about baseball. They love their baseball. I mean, you see it when they bring their reporters uh, across the pond to go see Yu Darvish pitch in, uh, in Texas. And then you got Ichiro's, the whole Ichiro, Ichiro Suzuki stuff that happened when he first joined uh, Major League Baseball uh, as a part of the Seattle Mariners. So, I mean, yeah, there's a big, strong appeal, and you want to reach out to that fan base. But is there a way to do it that would connect more to the American baseball fan base? You mean physically, like like starting time wise? Maybe. I mean, I have no idea. Because I mean, I, I don't want to be unfair to 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 to, uh, to, to Japan, obviously, because you know, they, obviously it's a different time zone, different time constraints. But I mean, how can you make this more of a an event for even the American viewer that maybe wants to see the game? They don't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to watch it.
1: Well, first of all, I believe none of the games were aired uh, nationally. So I'm not sure why that was the cause. The second game was aired on MLB Network, but that's something you got to pay for if you want it. So to begin, air it on on a national network, ESPN, for example. I'm not sure why they didn't have it. Second, there's a 13-hour difference with between here, you know, Miami and and Japan. So I would have to say that you know maybe an 11 a.m. start time in Japan, I think would transcend into a 10 p.m. start here in uh in in the East Coast. And a ten PM start here is usually uh, what what a West Coast game is. So start the game at eleven A. M. in Japan. Watch it starting here at ten PM. That's a, that's that that's the best you can do. And is it is it unforeseen to have an eleven AM and eleven AM game? I mean probably not. I mean, not use having an eleven A. M. game this that's Sunday. True.
0: That's true. So I mean that's one thing that you can possibly do. So let's let's move things a little bit. Let's let's get back to the United States now. Uh, back on the West Coast, the Dodgers, selling Uh, Their team, Frank McCourt, selling the team for $2 billion to Magic Johnson and a few other owners in that ownership group. They won the bidding for that. Um, $2 billion is a lot of cash. It's 2.15, actually. Actually, yeah, that's that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But, I mean, you can imagine the Dodgers fans are ecstatic. They're happy that finally... Foreseeably, put this behind them. How? What does this mean for Major League Baseball now that Magic Johnson is part of the ownership group, the face, the new face of the Los Angeles Dodgers franchise?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm very tuned in with all the beat reporters around baseball, and there has been nothing but rave reviews all across the league. Everybody believes that Magic Johnson will really take the Dodgers to the next level and make them the dynasty they once were. Every time there you know, a few years ago, every time there would be a free agent on the market, it was New York, Boston. And Dodgers. And, but now you don't hear about the Dodgers anymore because, you know, the whole Frank McCourt train crash derailed that franchise. And But now that, you know, Magic Johnson, the casting group, bought brought it, it's just a fantastic thing. You know, fans can expect to, you know, once a trade deadline comes this July, this group is going to be very, very aggressive. You know, I, I've already said it. I, I called it Joey Votto, one of the league's uh, top first baseman, National League's top first baseman will be a dodger in 2013 and it is it, it, it can only be good for baseball i don't see there's any downside to this yeah so Matthew
0: johnson do you think how fast will it take him to sort of revamp the dodgers the dodgers have struggled for years now to compete in what has been a very competitive NL West, you got the Arizona Diamondbacks beginning to come back strong again. The San Francisco Giants have been good for a, a, you know, a good amount of time. The Padres are there, um, so I mean it's a pretty difficult division. How long is it going to take for the Dodgers to get back into contention? Maybe get back into the playoffs finally.
1: In contention, I, I don't see why 2013 can be a year into the playoffs. 14 and beyond is very possible. Like I said, they've already targeted. They've already assumed that uh, they being beat writers, not the Dodgers. Uh, David Wright is a very possible uh, uh, free agent to sign. Cole Hamels, Matt Kane, these are elite players that will be free agents at the end of the 2012 season, and of course Joey Votto. But I believe Cincinnati may pick up his 17 million dollar option. Aside from that, though, Joel, they will be a force to reckon with in the West very, very soon because you don't you don't invest 2.15 billion dollars and then just kind of nothing about the team. This yeah. is a dynasty. This will be a dynasty.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I can't see the Dodgers not becoming something special to watch, something fun to watch. And for that city, it's so big because the Dodgers are are basically a part of baseball history. They're enshrined. It would have been a shame to see the Dodgers sort of flounder into mediocrity and continue to, to meddle in this kind of stuff. I mean, this is a franchise that made history. I mean, this is where the first African-American uh, baseball player played. Like, on this team, I mean, that's Jackie Robinson's team back in Brooklyn, and now you have Magic Johnson stepping into the fold here, and he has a lot of respect in Los Angeles, and that's something that's very important, too. I mean, this is a city that's been looking for something to, to put its faith in as far as baseball is concerned, and Magic Johnson, who is probably one of the most famous uh, you know sports celebrities as far as Los Angeles goes, is now the face of the franchise i think it's a match definitely made in heaven dodger heaven for sure and now you're going to see I, I think you're definitely you're right you're going to see a dynasty in there and i think it's going to be very cool to see the dodgers and the giants really compete for nls supremacy in the years to come
1: When so, I thing on that joel yeah. i, I want to add that you know it, it's not only just you know that magic magic johnson's a big baseball fan that's why he's going to invest in a team no it's because the you know albert Pujols is an angel uh, mainly in part because of the TV deal the LA Angels were pretty, God, I think it was, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars. It is expected that after the 2013 season, which is basically why, uh, after the 2013 season, the current Dodger TV deal runs out, they're expecting a new TV deal to be worth $4 billion wow. for that franchise. That's crazy. $4 billion. You know what a team can do with $4 billion? Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a so, lot. You
0: can do a lot with that. so And they need to also fix that stadium up. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be done with the Dodger franchise. But um, with all the money that's being thrown around here, the dollar signs that are being caught up, there's no reason why Magic Johnson couldn't do that. So we're going to switch over to the NL East now. We're going to go back to our own times down here in Miami and talk about the Miami Marlins, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Washington Nationals, the New York Mets, the Atlanta Braves. This is a division that should be one of the most competitive. I mean, you have teams like the Miami Marlins who spent big over the winter break, and you have the Phillies who have been dominant of the division for the last few years. The Braves have always been consistently pretty solid. The Nationals are a young team that really is coming of its own with with pitchers like Steven Strasburg and some guys waiting like Bryce Harper in the minors. So, I mean, this... And, and the New York Mets right now are in disarray. That's the one team that sort of everyone is in agreement with that's probably going to be at the bottom of the division this year. What are you expecting from the NL East? What's the big thing to look out for in this division?
1: Well, I, I, I'm a big Marlins fan, so let me put that out there. But, you know, please try to remove my bias here. I really do expect the Marlins to take a huge step forward this year. Jose Reyes is not a small addition. Sometimes when I'm speaking with friends and saying, you know, the Marlins are going to be good. And then they just tell me, oh, but they just basically got Jose Reyes. You don't just basically get Jose Reyes. You get Jose Reyes. This is someone who will steal 40 bases, who is an absolute spark plug. I'm seeing reports out of spring training just how well he's getting along with his teammates. With Hanley, who had before, you know, been reports of, oh, they may not get along. How are they not going to get along? They're from the same place. And you know the Marlins, this cohesiveness that they're gonna bring is really gonna be a huge factor. Uh, I believe in ESPN predicted the Marlins to be one of the two wild card contenders this year. And you look at Mark Burley now in the rotation, but in in the end, it's what everybody says. It comes down to Hanley being healthy and JJ being healthy. If those two can perform at their level, this team is without a doubt a playoff contender team.
0: Yeah, I think it all comes down to Josh Johnson. I mean, if he's there and he's healthy, the Marlins can be fantastic. They can definitely be a playoff team. But I, if Josh Johnson cannot stay healthy, this team is in serious trouble. Yeah, you got Mark Burley. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you have uh, Heath Bell. You have Annabelle Sanchez in the starting rotation, too. But, I mean, Josh Johnson is the anchor. And if he's not there, if he's not healthy, this team can't go any farther than second in the division. Maybe even third with the Braves, because let's not sleep on the Braves, either. They still have a solid team with some really good pitching. So, I mean, that's one of the things that we're going to have to watch out for. It's going to be very competitive. It's going to be bang, bang at the end. This is one of those, it could come down to the last weekend as far as that goes. I mean, it, it could go down to anything right now.
1: And, and I, I agree. You know, with, with looking down the team there, I'll go. I'll give a little snippet on each. You know, the Philadelphia Phillies always, you know, been a juggernaut, like you said, in the past few years in the division. But I, I, I'm kind of questioning how forceful and how dominant they can be this season. They lost Ryan Howard to that Achilles injury that he suffered in his last bat of the season. He may not be uh, back till June. Early June is what I'm seeing then you got Chase Utley with his chronic knee problems that he, he's out indefinitely. They don't know when he's gonna be back. Then you, so that you got a, a rookie Freddie Galvis taking over second base and John Mary John Mayberry Jr. in the first base. So this team now needs its pitching. Whereas last year pitching was just a bonus, a, a big bonus at that. Now it's if are pitching falters, they're done. So I would not be surprised if first place is in a flux. The Braves, uh, they're actually returning 23 other 25 uh, starters from last year in their roster. So that's actually, you know, pretty solid. Jason Hayward is someone I think is a key to that team, believe it or not. That he has tremendous potential, well, was rated one of the top three rookies just as two uh, as recent as two years ago. So they got injuries as well. Tim Hudson will not start the season. And it's just a question of, well, Freddy Gonzalez, how, how much will he, uh, you know, I, I hate to say, but abuse that bullpen last year. Craig Kimbrough, Eric O'Flaherty, and Johnny Venters pitched record innings for their squads and really gassed out toward the end, and attributed to Atlanta Braves falling out of contention in the very last day. Yep. Nationals, like you said, one of my favorite teams, partly because I play fantasy baseball and have Stephen Strasburg on my squad. Uh, he, you know, Strasburg just just a monster. I expect him to be a top twenty pitcher this year. Unfortunately, they will shut him down after 160 innings. But then you got Jordan Zimmerman, a very underrated pitcher who pitched fantastic last year in an innings innings limit cap. But they're letting him go this year. Then you got Ryan Zimmerman and Jason Worth, who I'm expecting a bounce back out of. This team is solid. They got Gio Gonzalez as well in that trade with the Oakland A's. He strikes out a lot. Led last year in walks, but he can be pretty solid as well. Third place possible. I already spoke about the Marlins, and like you said... The Mets, I, mean, I don't know if they if they even warrant a passing remark there. They're going to be in the bottom. I mean, that team is just flailing right now. They brought the fences in to try to, you know, get their power hitters going. But I'm not sure if that's going to work. And already David Wright is already having injury issues early in spring training. All right, so who do you got? NL East, who's winning that division? I got the Marlins.
0: Yeah, the Marlins got it. I got the Phillies. I just can't pick against that pitching staff. I just can't against, uh, you know guys like Ryan Howard I mean I mean they're just so good I mean if they can stay healthy that's the key too for the Phillies it's health I mean if they can get healthy by by you know by July and keep on and stay healthy for the rest of, for the stretch I think they they can win the division.
1: But, but what if but they, what if they come back and kind of they, they're not themselves? They're they're Ryan not Howard themselves, chase Hutley,
0: and it's anyone's division. It could be. I think the Marlins definitely have a good opportunity to step in there and take that void. But I wouldn't sleep on the Braves either. Especially, I mean, yeah, those that that bullpen is going to be critical. If they gas out at the end and they're not able to close out those games, it's going to be very difficult for them to to stay in contention. But it's going to be close. It's going to be really close. I just got the Phillies. They, I mean, assuming everyone stays healthy on all the teams, and that's you can't predict that kind of thing. I got to say the Phillies right now are the strongest team still in that division but the marlins are right there and if they can keep their heads together and he can keep their heads cool i think they got a, a chance to be right there at the end so baseball right around the corner and <laughs> actually it's already here so thank you eddie almiger for talking there. with us that's eddie uh, we'll come back and talk to him maybe next week about baseball we'll talk more baseball next week now that the baseball season will be officially underway so when we come back we're going to talk a little bit of basketball with rico Aberrison. so don't go anywhere we'll be right back here on the couple joel podcast and we're back, and we're going to be doing some NBA talk now with Rico Alberison. Rico, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, thanks for having me back, Joel. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Absolutely. So, obviously, a lot going on with basketball. The the playoff race is underway now, and a lot of stuff going on in the Western Conference, some stuff going on also in the Eastern Conference as well. you got some interesting teams that are battling for a position. Uh, the Heat's sort of battling back and forth with Chicago right now. they still got a Fix some things before if they're gonna get that number one seed. And in the West, you got teams that are from four to eight, like you were mentioning before we, while we were talking, uh, that are just all over the place. That can be it, it. Can still be anyone's uh, conference there as far as playoff uh, spots go. So I'll talk about that. But first, MVP talk heating up like crazy. Durant, Kevin Durant of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, LeBron James of of Miami. They've been the foreseen frontrunners of this race. LeBron. Um, seemingly, you know the guy who would logically be the MVP this year, but lately it's been Kevin Durant getting all the momentum and all the talk, which I found I find funny um, because of
2: the fact that okay, I understand that Durant is the leader of his number one in the Western Conference, Oklahoma City Thunder, um, but I mean, come on, LeBron's having the best statistical year. Ever, just about ever, for any player. Uh, if you look at just um, what LeBron is doing, his PER is ridiculously high. It's I think at thirty-two right now. If you look at his points per game, his assists, rebounds, they're all just right up there. It's I I just don't see how Kevin Durant is the MVP. I understand he's the leader of the Thunder. Uh, You know, he leads the league in scoring or he's second in scoring. And um, I just don't see it, though. Like, unless the Thunder just obliterate, you know, having the best record in the league, which that's not going to happen. That's going to go to Chicago. Um, I don't see how you put LeBron
0: ahead. I mean, Durant ahead of LeBron. I mean, you have to look at it also from a head-to-head standpoint. Like, people love the story of it all. And that last matchup between Miami and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City dominated that game for the most part. I mean, there was never a point where like, it was a doubt in anyone's mind that Oklahoma City was really there to win the game, and Kevin Durant just played lights out. And it was that game that sort of propelled all this talk and really added some uh, fuel to that fire. And now you have Kevin Durant talk as maybe the frontrunner now, as far as that goes and as far as head-to-head matchups go. So how, does that, how important does that make the rematch on April 4th coming this coming Wednesday when the Thunder come to Miami how big is that game and how big is it for LeBron to sort of like win back that sort of battle for the story of the MVP race
2: now when it comes to the story of the MVP race he does have to win the game for voters to get back on his side it's going to be so hard for LeBron because ever since he came to Miami he's been viewed as more of a villain role more of a you know, it's easier for him to put up what he can, you know, do uh, since he has such great teammates, which I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, right now, Durant has a one-point lead on him in points per game, but look at the rest of the stats. The rest of the stats are ridiculously in favor of LeBron. He is shooting lights out, 53%, uh, free throw percentage not as high, but 3%. I mean, these guys
0: are just about neck and neck, but LeBron has been doing it all year. It's really close. That's the whole point. The, you know, the stats show that it's really close, and look, this and, is an MVP race as well. It's the most valuable player to your team. Is Kevin Durant more valuable to the Oklahoma City Thunder than LeBron James is to the Heat? You can see, make that argument.
2: That's not, that's not the argument of an MVP, though. An MVP is the most valuable player in the season. Not of their team, because anybody can make that case. Like, you can look... The reason why Dirk Rose isn't being discussed this year is because he's missed 17 games and his team has done well without him. So, all of a sudden, he's not an MVP candidate. But if you look at his stats, his stats are right on par with what he did last year. So, why isn't he an MVP candidate? Because he's missed the games. That's true. If he hadn't missed those games... I bet he would not be in the discussion because of the fact that it would be like, Oh, well, he's not, he's not doing what Durant and LeBron James are doing. But if you look at last year, same exact numbers. And I know the voters would, it's all about a story with them, with the voters. It's like for now, you know, Kevin Durant is this good guy. He's the one that signed a contract, you know, without the spectacle and everything. And he's like the guy who just loves basketball. And at the end of the day, what are you really going to base it off on? Voters are going to base it off a narrative, off a storyline. Hey, Durant cares about basketball and his team beat the Heat. And so that's why he has to be MVP. Well, no, it's not. He, he doesn't have to be MVP for that. He has to be MVP because he was the most valuable player in the league. He was the best player in the league. And you can't say that. LeBron is the best player in this league, and he's sh- proved it so far this year.
0: I think you can't always, and you can't avoid the media bias either. you got to talk about just this natural vitriol towards LeBron James, and I think that's going to sort of hog him for the rest of his career. I think you can't avoid that you're going to have. Uh, people around this country that cannot stand LeBron James. You can't, You have people of the media who tore apart every little thing that LeBron James did, including at this All-Star break, for goodness sakes. We talked about a few weeks ago, well, how he didn't take the shot at the end of the All-Star game, for goodness sakes, an All-Star game. So, I mean, every little thing that LeBron James does is going to be put under a microscope. And I think part of it is now, oh, he lost to Kevin Durant, now Kevin Durant has the lead on him. I think people want Kevin Durant to be the MVP. People want Kevin Durant to upstage LeBron James because that's part of the story. Because everyone's talking LeBron James is the MVP this year, no doubt about it. But you look at the stats now and that gives people almost a license to sort of say, I want Kevin Durant to be the MVP. Yeah, because he's close enough. Exactly, so it, and he's leading because the Heat team. are supposed to win. The Heat right. are supposed to do all these things. Oklahoma City is a small market, and a, you know the only professional team in narrative. Oklahoma. It's all it's it's the narrative. It's the story of it all, and people tend to love Kevin Durant. It's just one of those things. People love Kevin Durant. He's probably one of the most likable um, big time, big name players in the NBA. He doesn't have this sort of stigma that LeBron James or Kobe Bryant has. So, I mean, that also is going for Kevin Durant going into the final month of the regular season.
2: Yeah, and but with all that said and done, LeBron is the MVP. I'm, I don't know if we can really have a true argument because if LeBron's not doing what he's doing, Miami is not that close to Chicago in the standings.
0: But then again, if Kevin Durant wasn't doing what he's doing, is it the same thing in the West? with Oklahoma City, under Brian Westbrook, it pro- it probably do the is. same thing? I mean, I, I guarantee you Russell, they're not going to be competing.
2: Huh? Russell Westbrook.
0: Sorry. Wow, I said Brian. Brian Russell. Sorry. Russell Westbrook, excuse yeah. me. So, I mean, that's that's <laughs> what I'm talking about, though. I mean, you have if you don't have Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, that's a completely different team. I understand that. That's fine. But when a player is having
2: such a great statistical year that LeBron James is having, it's kind of hard to argue it against it. But I, I can understand why people would put Kevin Durant in the discussion, but LeBron James is far by far the best player in the league and i don't think there's a there's an even comparison to lebron but because we know what mvp is about it's about narrative it's about storyline it's about what people want in their season that's why
0: durant right now has the
2: lead in the mvp discussion
0: okay so that's the mvp talk at the end of the season at the end of the season when it's all said and done who do you see winning this race? It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be closer than we all anticipate. I think it's gonna be really close. Who it's, do you got?
2: It's gonna be. Sadly, it's. I think it's gonna be Durant. I agree. Which I. I just think the voters have that mentality of. Oh, it's the guy who's leading the small market
0: team. What's LeBron got to do to change that? If he does, if he is gonna win this to, race, what they have they have to do you
2: have to? They have to become the number one seed in the East, um, and that's gonna to be tough. With Chicago as such a machine during the regular season, like they, they don't have uh, Derrick Rose for 17 games, and they've won 13 of them. Like, that's just ridiculous. That's silly. So that's the only way I think Miami has to overtake Chicago as the number one team in the East
0: uh, for LeBron to have a shot. And LeBron has to play lights out the rest of the way. All right, so that's uh, MVP talk. We're talking with Rico Alvaroson on the NBA. And uh, let's move over to the Western Conference. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. Now we're talking about it here. Uh, Four through eight, extremely tight. Less than three games separating those uh, those four those five teams actually the Clippers, Memphis, Dallas, Utah, and Houston are four through eight in order respectively. And then right outside there, tied is Denver with tied with Denver is uh, Houston. And uh, yeah, Phoenix is just two games behind. Minnesota is also in the discussion as well. This is a very very stacked conference, and there it's basically a pile up. It could be anyone going anywhere as far as this final month goes.
2: Yeah, and it's about being hot at the right time if if you could get hot here in this last month before the playoffs start you're going to be in uh, and it's going to take just like one game as well like it's going to come down to the final week of the season where we still don't know who's in and what the seedings are because we know Oklahoma City will be the number one team in the West uh, barring some type of injury and San Antonio will definitely be number two uh, that's a dangerous team. I'll get into that in a sec. But the Lakers—they're showing some signs of they're they're playing better because they have a point guard who can make plays for them in Vermont Sessions. Uh, the Clippers—I don't know—they've they've won three in a row, but just before that, they were kind of floundering a bit with uh, with uh, possible rumors of Vinny Del Negro losing his job. He might be a lame duck coach. But um, that's a team just to watch out for. Memphis. I love Memphis. I'm not even <laughs> really? joking. I love Memphis. The size that they have up front with Marcus uh Zach Randolph, Spates, Rudy Gay. They are going to be such a nightmare. And I honestly believe in a seven-game series they could beat anyone in the West. That's very interesting. I am not even joking. That team right there—that is the dark horse of the Western Conference. And if I'm
0: Oklahoma City, I don't want to face them in the playoffs. It's a very well-rounded team, and yeah, they, I mean, as it stands right now, they might meet Memphis in the second round. Right. That could be, and that's a—that would be a repeat of what happened last year too, when. Oklahoma City was able to overcome that. Yeah. But Memphis really played well and they were able to stun San Antonio in that first round. This is still same that same team. You got Rudy Gay averaging eighteen point nine points per game. You have Marcus Sol over there with almost ten rebounds a game. Though I mean, this is a very well-rounded team, Rico. I, I see what you're saying there. I mean, people I'm thinking about this, but you might be talking about Memphis when and they go into the playoffs again and they're slowly becoming a, a contender in that in that Western conference. That conference is just great. There are so many great stories to talk about there yeah, everything yeah. from the Kevin Love thing in Minnesota and with and I'm just a shame what happened with them with with Rubio Ricky Rubio getting hurt and now they're on the outside looking in they still have a shot though but i mean there's some teams out there that are going to be left out unfortunately that that would have been fun to see in the playoffs right because like you still have phoenix in the hunt you have minnesota in the hunt um
2: and of course uh denver who is on the outside looking in at this moment right now they're tied with Utah and Houston, both. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see the, the race to the end where uh, both of these teams, or all of these teams, are just fighting and clawing and scratching at each other because, honestly, if if we're looking at the Western Conference, I can honestly point at four, maybe five actual title contenders. Oklahoma City... San Antonio the Lakers the Grizzlies and Dallas I still put Dallas in there because they're they're the defending champs um, they got off to a slow start I still put them in there though I I still think that once the playoffs come around they're gonna be dangerous and you do not want to play them so that means I'm leaving out Utah I'm leaving out Houston I'm leaving out the Clippers I honestly am not a believer in the Clippers when it comes to a title to try to compete for a title. I honestly think that if they match up against Memphis in the first round, they're going down in the first round. Memphis will take them out. Or um, I would love to see a Lakers Clippers first round or second round matchup that doesn't like look that like has happen. to happen.
0: But it doesn't yeah. look like it's going to
2: happen. Unless unless it's a potential the Clippers second round fall. match, but yeah, a potential second round unless unless the Clippers fall, maybe a game they're only a game <laughs> that's true. back from da- Dallas is only a game behind them and yep. that Dallas is the sixth seed. So We'll eventually see, but I cannot wait for the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference. I think it's going to be more fun than the East. It's not as predictable as the East. The East, um, Chicago and Miami are your two teams. They are your two teams in the East. Chicago and Miami, they're going to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals unless something drastic happens. Because if the playoffs started now, Chicago and New York, New York's not beating Chicago, Boston's not beating Miami. Uh Atlanta is actually the Achilles heel to Orlando. Um Orlando is just snake bitten by them for some reason. And then Philly, Indiana, honestly that's a toss up because no matter what, they're going up against Chicago in the next round and they're not beating Chicago.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't see Philadelphia as a potential I mean, they got Doug Collins is a smart coach and yes. they have some pretty good talent down there in yes. Philadelphia. But, but no. Yeah. I mean, Chicago, is, Chicago.
2: Is, is a well-oiled machine. They they know how to play defense. They go hard forty-eight minutes. Like Lual Deng plays forty minutes for no reason. Like they're they're blowing out teams, and Lual Deng is still in the game in the final minutes, which is stupid. Um, Thibodeau needs the rest of his guys if they want to have a shot in the playoffs. But whatever, if Chicago wants to do that, that's fine.
0: You don't see New York as potentially shocking somebody. I mean, they've been really hot. They're eight and two in their last ten games. They're at eight and right now, but I see. I can see them maybe get into the seven or sixth seed, and if they do that, well, if they get to the sixth seed, yeah, they could definitely shock Orlando, I think they could beat
2: Orlando in a in a seven game series um, they're not beating Miami and they're not beating Chicago. I honestly without a doubt, they're not beating those two teams now, you know who I can see shocking. Miami, not in the first round because they wouldn't meet in the first round, they'd meet in the second and it's Orlando.
0: Hmm.
2: Uh Orlando just has that capability. First off, they have Dwight Howard.
0: And they had download that advantage in that, the paint.
2: Right, exactly. And he we I think we could both agree that uh Dwight can go for those crazy games where he scores like thirty five and twenty one rebounds. He, he can do that.
0: Okay, can't do that play.
2: over seven-game no, 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 series no, I'm against not, Miami? I'm not saying he needs to do it all seven games or whatever. They need to win four, right? So I think, honestly, if he has two games like that and they win those two games, then you have another two games that you have to win. And is there any team like Orlando that can get hot from three? That's Miami's weakness on defense is defending the three. They are one of the worst in the league. And – orlando can get hot at the right moment and all of a sudden everything's going in i mean i think that's something that could happen i'm not saying it will though I, th- I still think miami's the better team and they they will win but
0: i could actually see orlando beating miami and changing things up in the eastern conference all right so that'll be that'll be very interesting to see how that all develops but i mean in the finals i still see miami oklahoma city going to the yeah, finals that's Fair, yes. I mean, it's 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 it could be Chicago for all, for all we're talking about. If Derrick yeah. Rose stays healthy and he stays on the court, I think that team is just about as. It's all about mindset for Miami. I think it all comes down to is Miami going to be mentally ready to take that next step? Oh, Because I mean, be. we've seen times where they're not. I mean, that game against Oklahoma City, they were not mentally ready for that. I mean, right now, I mean, are they ready to to go seven games against Oklahoma City or Chicago? The thing is about Miami
2: is they have an on and off switch. And so when they turn it on, they really turn it yeah, on. Yeah, we've seen it. We and saw it at that it. point during
0: the season when they were on that tear and they no one could touch them. And we saw it even in last
2: year's playoffs against Boston and Chicago where Chicago wasn't having any luck with them. So do I think uh, Chicago can beat them? Yeah, but it's going to be extremely hard. And especially since that team is basically the same as they were last year in the playoffs. They're the same team. Uh, Rip Hamilton, they added him, but he's been injured. So it's basically it's Miami against uh, Chicago the same way they met, and I see the same exact result, Miami beating them out. And Miami's the favorite in the East anyway, and I don't see them losing, at least not until the finals. We'll see what the finals has. But um, it's Miami's title to lose. Uh, I really honestly don't think anyone
0: should beat them. But, of course, we'll, we'll see in the finals what happens. All right. So that'll do it for Cup of Joel for this week. That was Rico Barrison talking NBA. We want to thank also Eddie in the first segment for talking baseball with us. We'll be back here next week. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll be back. So thank you, Rico, for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you guys all next week. Have a great week. God bless. Take care, and we will see you later.